Uh, we're very blessed this morning to have uh, some German brothers with us, Johannes Reimer of the World Evangelical Alliance, the Peace and Reconciliation Network, and the Department of Public Engagement, and Manuel Bohm, who is part of the Peace and Reconciliation Network as well and serves out of Ottawa. And I have the privilege of being a, on the team with these guys and have been blessed and have grown so much by being beside them. So I want to welcome you to KGF in this very unique way that we're gathered today and recognize as well that they have also sent note out to the PRN network that uh, this is happening. So we may have people streaming with us from who knows where. So welcome to you as well. Let's join together in prayer as we uh, bless our brothers as they bring the word to us this morning. Thank you, God, for your love for us. Thank you for the incredible ways that you're in work in the, uh, work in the world. God, we pray that your church would rise and we pray your blessing on Johannes as he speaks to us this morning. Thank you for who he is, the story of his life. We pray your blessing on he and Manuel as they serve with the Peace and Reconciliation Network. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm very, very happy to be here in this very special situation. Reminds me of stories from different countries in the world where somehow circumstance God scattered his church and then out of this, a whole revival, revival, just uh, changed, transformed people and whole countries. Um, in 1917, a revolution took place. I'm from a Soviet background, so I was born in Siberia in a labor camp and then moved to Central Asia. So my story is quite an exciting one. Um, in the 1917, revolution took over Soviet Union. Many Mennonite uh, and uh, Jewish, Jewish and Baptist families were affected. Then a fam fa famine came. But just imagine, 17, 100,000 believers in all over the Russian Empire. In 1929, 10 million. 10 million. So was revolution bad? It was very bad. Was the famine bad? It was very bad. But it was also a chance, an incredible chance in 12 years to lead millions to Jesus. Don't forget, crisis like this is also a new opportunity for the kingdom to grow. We will read together a passage out of uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and uh, the verses 17 to 21. Emmanuel Böhm, our direct director of development in the uh, World Evangelical Alliance uh, Network for Peace and Reconciliation, is going to do so. Please, Father. Second Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Thank you very much, Manuel. I grew up in an atheist family. My parents weren't Christians. 
And uh, being of a German background, uh, the government somehow decided to select this little boy and train the boy uh, and be, uh, train the boy to become one of the future communist leaders. So I had a very special treatment. At the age of 15, I was, was already studying physics and mathematics at an elite university in the Soviet Union. Spoke five languages, was preparing myself for a communist turnover in the world. And then the Lord met me. And so I'm so glad, you know, to see how God changes the world. Uh, just a couple of months after my conversion to Jesus, I was imprisoned and brought to a labor camp. Uh, in my years of being an atheist, young, uh, communist, communistically minded person, I was doing lots of sports and especially boxing. And here I was invited to, to, uh, to come to serve the Lord, and I did so. I was imprisoned and ended up in a labor camp. The first night in that labor, labor camp, the officers took me into a, a little room, and uh, one of the officers opened a little book and uh, read Matthew 5:39. And it says, if somebody slaps you to your right cheek, just turn the left to the, to the oppressor. And then he asks me, do you believe this nonsense? I says, yes, I believe everything in the scripture. And then he invited a little guy to come in and hit out the fifth tooth on my left side. Every second, second night they repeated the story. At the end, very few teeth of my were still there. Most of it is artificial today. And uh, while they did this, hatred fill, filled my heart. There was lots of hatred in my heart, especially towards this little, uh, as I found out, Muslim guy who was asked to hit my teeth out. And um, so hatred just filled my heart. I couldn't hit back. I was invited to hit back, uh, but this would be a sign of disbelief, and I didn't want this. I followed Jesus. I was too proud of a Christian to confess that I was not able to love and to reconcile with those people. And then the day came. It was in 1975, uh, just facing Eastern, uh, the day of Good Friday. And then the officers took me in again and they said, well, tonight we're going to kill you. And we'll kill you slowly. You will enjoy every bit of it. It will be like they did with Jesus, your Lord. We'll kill you. And you have about five, six hours. Go and think about it. And then you come back. And I went into the secluded place, fell on my knees, and I cried tears and said, Lord, why can't I love? I just can't love. You died for me, and I'm not able to lose a couple of teeth. This is, this is terrible. I ask, I beg with you, please come and let me love again the way you do. And then a miracle took place. The Holy Spirit fell on me in an incredible manner. So I couldn't stand on my feet anymore. I couldn't even stand on my knees. I broke down and laying on the, on the ground. I felt an incredible harmony and peace I never expected to come into my heart. And I'd 
after I was called in again and the, the guy had a huge feast and he approached me and he wanted to hit me right into my face. And while his feast was approaching me somewhere here, the guy looks into my eyes and he yells at me, why are you loving me? Well, I didn't particularly love him, but I didn't hate anymore. My heart was reconciled. Our topic this morning is reconciliation. Reconciliation is the heart of the gospel. Is the heart of the gospel. For many years I've done the exercise. I uh, come into a new city I've never been before, so I hire a taxi and then ask the taxi driver, would you please bring me to a, a place of reconciliation, mediation, a place where you may sort out your, your hard feelings towards your wife or your children or your neighbors. I've done this now for many years, for decades. Never ever has a taxi driver brought me to a church. There's only one exemption. It was in Tashkent in, in Central Asia. The taxi driver, a Muslim guy, he brought me to a Baptist church. And then he says, here. And I asked him, why do you think that place is a place of reconciliation? Oh, he says, I don't think that's a place of reconciliation. But only here people will ask such dumb questions as you do. So... Even that Muslim guy didn't believe a church was a place where people would find reconciliation, peace for their hearts. Why does this happen the way it does? Have we evangelical churches lost the heart of the gospel? Have we lost the heart of the gospel? That's why Jesus came into the world. Our passage says, it states clearly that Jesus was sent by the Father to reconcile the world with the Father, with God himself. That's why he came. And when Jesus sent his disciples, out, discipleship, uh, disciples sorry, out into the world, he told them to do exactly what he has done. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you, John 20, 21. And the, our passage states clearly, we are given a word of reconciliation. Why do the people of the world not see in the church a center of reconciliation? Is that our ministry? Is this not what we are, have been sent for? Well, I think there was a, a story which we have not managed well. We meaning evangelical Christians especially after the World War I and then World War II, pietistically minded, evangelical, charismatic, Pentecostal, Menobapticostal, whatever they call themselves. We evangelicals have started to believe that Ecclesia, the Church of God, is people called out of the world in order to have nothing to do anymore with the world. And if we go as missionaries to the world, we try to pick and choose certain people and evangelize them and lead them to an exclusive club, which is not for the world, but for heaven. And we all expect the day to come where the Lord takes us back to heaven. And surely he will. And surely I, I, I love this day to come as soon as possible. But that's not the reason why I'm here. 
And that's not the reason why you are here. And that's not the reason why the church exists. The church does not exist together on Sundays and just enjoy herself as a church. Celebration is great. But celebration does not make a church to be a church yet. The church is, is sent to the world to become light of the world and salt for the earth. The church is in the world because God has made her to be what she is. He is a body of Christ, wonderfully, wonderfully gifted with incredible gifts of the Spirit, with incredible opportunities to change and transform whole communities. And when Jesus sent his church to go to the world, his first disciples, he says, go into the world and disciple nations. It's wonderful to see what word is used there for nations. Ethnos actually means an inhabited place, a social cultural space. How do you disciple a social cultural space? How do you disciple a city or a village? Of course, if you want to disciple a village or a city, you transform that village and the city to a place where God is reconciled with humans. And even nature, because the nature, Paul says in Romans 8, the nature expects or desires to see the appearance of the children of God, the peace builders, because blessed are you if you are building peace because you'll be, be called children of God. We have a task to fulfill. We have a mission to fulfill. And that mission means go into the world and proclaim peace between humans and God, humans and their neighbors, humans and even humans and creation. We're all surprised by COVID-19. Honestly speaking, I am not. I am not. I travel the world more than probably everybody here because the World Evangelical Alliance is now active in 135 nations and I am responsible for everything the World Evangelical Alliance does in public. And so I think I know what the world does and how the world feels and what our churches do or not do. COVID-19 is a cry of the creation for the church to show her beloved face. It is a chance of an incredible size. I'm not saying God has sent COVID-19 because I don't think God curses the world. It's always demonic powers trying to, en to enter our world with all kinds of sicknesses and you name it. But it's God who is able to turn anything around for a blessing for the world he loves so much that he sent his only begotten son. COVID-19 is an incredible chance for us churches to become centers of reconciliation. And so I am so thankful we have seen this Stephen team appear. I love to see such Stevens. And how do, I don't even know, because English is my sixth language, I don't know how to pronounce uh, a female, 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 female 
Stephen. So Stevie or something. So the Stevies and the Stevens here. Listen, Stephen team, have you already established a hotline, a telephone hotline for all those COVID-19 sick people to phone you and pray with them? Just imagine you have five of them or six of them or none of them, I don't know, here in Kelowna. Where will they phone to? Of course, they run to a doctor. Of course, they will, they will see for some medicine. Of course, they, they try to get their health back. They, they, they'll do this. But medicine and medical centers is a great blessing, but not everything. There is a heart crying, and they need somebody to comfort them. Is there a hotline established already in this church to comfort those people? But it's more to it. Is there a line already established to pray for sick people and see God healing them? I phoned our, our office now in Nepal and asked them, how do you face COVID-19 because your Nepali medical system is terrible? And the brother says, Johannes, don't you bother. We pray for the sick and God heals them. We pray for those sick and God heals them. And then they come to our churches. And we together, we transform our nation. We see this as a chance. Some of us may die. But that's okay because if you die as a Christian, you just took a shortcut to heaven. It's not bad. Because we all want to go there. It's not bad. But it's bad for the world. And we sent into the world to be ambassadors of Christ, ambassadors of reconciliation, ambassadors who bring the word of God in the situations which, which they have never been before. I'm so privileged to direct a ministry which has now, is now growing worldwide. And I think it would be helpful to give you a couple of stories, wonderful stories, what's happening today. And I'd like to start with Nepal. In Nepal, our movement has educated about 500 mediators, counselors, and so on to create their counseling mediation centers in their churches. About 500 of them. And mediation and counseling and uh, healing uh, ministries and comforting ministries, so everything to do with, with, uh, with going back to Harmony, reconciling people with themselves and with their community and families with themselves and with God, of course. Those centers have become an incredible center of gravity for the churches to move. We had no Christians or almost no Christians in Nepal 25 years ago. Today we have 1.5 million of them. Bringing the heart back to the body means you will see love, life coming into that dead body, back into that bad, uh, uh, dead body. And the body starts moving and starts to do meaningful things. The church needs to get her reconciling heart back. And then we will see things happening in Nepal. Or, give you another example, in Pakistan, 
I was invited to come to Pakistan in June last year. And the guy who invited me is the, the leading imam of the, uh, of the Muslim movement, the Muslim Sunni movement in uh, Pakistan. He says he, he is so fed up with this war going on and with the Shia-Sunni conflicts in, in his country. And he lives in Peshawar at the border to Afghanistan. And every day they see bombs going up. And he says, Mr. Reimer, would you come and run a conference on reconciliation in my city, in Peshawar? So in June I went. I went to the place and uh, friends of mine said, well, Johannes, you're not really doing this. Just imagine what, what happens. You go to Peshawar. Peshawar, the Muslims are going to kill you. It's Taliban country. I says, I know. But I've never been invited by a Muslim imam to come and bring Jesus to this country. I will. So I went and you come to, this, to a city like this, which looks like, you know, a war zone. And you imagine, well, maybe 50 people come, maybe 100 come. But you never think uh, more than that. And then I entered this huge church building uh, in, the, in the city of Peshawar, an old Anglican church. And I opened my eyes and looked around and I couldn't believe my own eyes. The church, the church has benches like yours and it's, the church seats about four and a half thousand people and it was packed. So I turned around to the bishop, the Anglican bishop, and I said, uh, Bishop, is this your people? He says, oh no, there are a number of Muslims here. They all came to listen to a message of reconciliation. They are fed up with war. They long for peace. So preach peace. I was standing on the cross and I preached Jesus. I talked about Jesus, about Jesus reconciling us and Jesus not necessarily expecting that all of us become Anglican or Lutheran or whatever. We have to become followers of Jesus. So I invited them to become followers of Jesus. And then, I don't know, one and a half thousand people maybe ran to the cross. It's an incredible image. I left the place and we pray now for Peshawar, for peace, for the region. And it is incredible what's happening since. The bishop just uh, phoned us the other day and said, well, Johannes, hey, it is incredible. I'm getting receiving calls and people say, I, if, even if I die, I want to receive that peace. Can you help me to get reconciled with my creator again? So Peshawar, in Islamabad, all churches, Christian churches, there are about 104 of them, and Islamabad is the capital city of Pakistan. They got, came together, we ran a conference on peace and reconciliation, and I explained to them, if they do not reconcile with the nature around themselves, no Muslims will ever turn to Jesus, because their places where Christians live, they're poor, I understand that, but they're dirty. They look terrible. I said, well, you have to clean up your streets. You clean up your, your city. You bring order to your places of living. 
And they say, well, we don't have any money. I say, well, you don't have to have any money to take, to take the dirt away. Do this, please. And so they united around the idea called Love Your City. They cleaned up their places. Went to the European community. And the European community has helped now to start a recycling, uh, recy recycling plant. And now the places where Christians live, they're the most clean, they're the most recycled, there's no plastic around, they're reconciling with the nature. And in June, when I was visiting the place, I asked them, how does this, how does this echo into your, your, your society? And then one of the pastors says, a Roman Catholic pastor, a priest, he says, Johannes, you wouldn't believe. The Muslims, they flood our churches. They come to us. They say, we also want to live in, in a clean environment like you've done. Reconcile with the nature and show people what God does. Become light of, the, of your city. Become, become sold for your society. And you're going to see miracles taking place. I asked the Catholic priest, uh, well, but you know, if they become Christians here, become Roman Catholic, the government officially will have, have to take away your cathedral, your church building. And then uh, he says, well, I wouldn't care, but my bishop does. And that's why we send all the, the guys who become Christians in the Roman Catholic Church to Pentecostals. They, they, they don't have any buildings. So it's easier for them. And the, the church movement spreads out in Pakistan. Oh, let me conclude with a story from Ukraine. So Ukraine and Russia, they have a conflict which is by now already older than the Second World War. And last year we had a peace conference right in the war zone. I went to Moscow. I also went to, to, uh, the, uh, to the Ukrainian government. And we asked them, we begged with them, just give us three days, three days to run this reconciliation conference. And they did. They opened the border. We went into the lines between the, the front lines. We're praying for peace and reconciliation in that place. About 350 people from both sides of the, of the war zone came to us, prayed with us, reconciled with one another, and reconciled with God. And I'm surprised What's going on now in certain political circles? Nobody expected this ever to happen. A miracle took place. We asked for peace. And God, who is a God of peace, and Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace, they were introducing peace to this place. Now, what about your place? What about Canada? How comes you are unable to reconcile with the First Nations? How comes diasporal uh, migrant uh, groups here in your country sometimes have lots of problems to get along with the Canadian population? How comes even in Canada, this wonderful country of very polite people, so you want to talk straightforward to a Canadian, you have to run around the bush for a couple of hours because you are so polite. You are so embracing. How comes even here, when I take a taxi in Toronto or Winnipeg or Vancouver, the taxi driver does not bring me to a church? 
as a mediation center. Honestly speaking, I didn't have to take any taxi to come to your place. Phil, uh, your pastor, he picked us up at the airport. I don't know whether he, uh, he thought it might be dangerous because then the taxi driver wouldn't bring you, me to your church. He picked me up, so I don't know what the people in, Col in Kelowna think. But I would love to see your church to become a place where the hotline for all those infected people, in whatever way they're infected, is always open. And they phone you. Because they know if you go there, if you phone there, if you go to your neighbor who belongs to this gospel church, if, if you go, go to that neighbor, the neighbor is going to pray for you and something is going to happen because a miracle becomes daily reality. I often come to churches and I ask the churches, how much God do you need for your service? I know you need a worship team. I know that. I know you need a preacher. You need somebody who has a good word for you to comfort you. I know all of this. But my question is, how much God do you need? How much God do you need? Because if you need God, then God himself is going to bring heaven. And if God comes and brings heaven, miracle is a reality, a daily reality. Love will fill your heart. And people will recognize you by loving your neighbor. Thanks God for you, guys. You're scattered today. There's many other people in the world. Just imagine, for the first time in history, as I don't know any other, any other time where this ever happened, for the first time in human history, all the churches, at least in the Western countries, are forced to scatter their members. Like we do here. So well, we all united. And where did they send us to? Well, to our neighbors. You are where you belong to now. This is just a training place here. But you are now in the place of ministry. May the Lord bless you. Your families, your teams. May the Lord bless this church. To be a church as a mediation and reconciliation center for Kelowna. Shall we pray together? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for my, my brothers and sisters, my beloved brothers and sisters in Kelowna. Thank you for this particular church, for a church which moves into a transformational ministry for the city, for the city and for the surrounding villages and what have you. Thank you for this church having invited their pastor to become a part of our International Peace and Reconciliation Ministry. And Lord, I pray, may those stories in the world experienced by Phil and by other people from their church come back and become an asset for their own development in this city. Thank you so much. You are so, such a wonderful God. You are such a wonderful Father. You're such a wonderful Savior. You are such a wonderful Spirit, the Lord of our ministry. Hallelujah. Amen.